welcome to This Week in Video Games, episode 51. My name's Tom Kershaw, and this is a podcast all about the world of video games. So this week, I've been playing the new third-person shooter from Amazon Game Studios called Crucible. On the indie front, I finally caught up with Downwell, a game I've been meaning to play for some time and picked up through Xbox Game Pass. I also sat down to chat with Arex from Arex Gaming to talk about Summer Games Fest so far, his new fitness and gaming venture called Video Games, and also some fun speculation about 2020, including whether we're going to see Breath of the Wild 2 this year or not. It's a jam-packed show, let's get to it! Welcome to the show everyone, I hope you're well and you're having a good week! I'm good this week, and I've been getting through a good chunk of my backlog, so as a reward, I've picked up some new games to add to it. Something I missed the first time round was Bloodborne, I managed to pick it up for a nice £12 on Amazon, so hopefully I'll get round to that real soon. So it's been an exciting few weeks with Jeff Keighley kicking off the Summer Games Fest, and it's kind of an extended series of announcements across the game industry. So I reached out to Arex this week and we sat down and had a chat about everything from the Ghosts of Tsushima, Paper Mario, Unreal Engine 5, and speculated whether we're going to see Breath of the Wild 2 this year or not. And over the next few weeks we could be seeing some movements from Sony finally, and hopefully we'll be hearing some news from Bungie regarding the next iteration in the Destiny universe. Right, that's enough waffle from me, so let's get into what I've been playing this week. Well, this week I've been playing Crucible, and it's a new third-person PvE and PvP game from Amazon Game Studios. I'll get into my first impressions of that in the first segment of the podcast. Also this week, I've been playing Last of Us Remastered, and it's another classic which I missed the first time round, and this is all in preparation for the new one coming out really, really soon. Also, I finally picked up Downwell, and I know this game has been out for a few years, and I'd definitely seen it on Nintendo Switch's eShop a while back, but I think it recently came to Xbox Game Pass, and my first impressions of this game was it's really simple, but there's definitely some hidden depth in here, and it's almost like Celeste. The controls are deceptively simple, but the game definitely isn't. It's fast-paced, full of little power-ups and modifiers, and it's absolutely fantastic, and something I think you should really check out as soon as possible. But first up this week, let's check out my first impressions of Crucible. Crucible is a new third-person shooter which mixes PvE and PvP, a whole host of characters and a mixture of Battle Royale-style knockout gameplay, and also some objectives mixed in there too. It's a mixed bag, but there's certainly signs of potential under the layers of genres in this first showing from Amazon Game Studios. Crucible launched this week and it's trying to get a piece of the shooter pie. In essence, this is a third-person shooter where you can control a character and work with teammates to either wipe out your opponents or complete objectives. The world is rich and vibrant, full of what appears to be dinosaur crossed with plant-type creatures, which definitely gave me some big Avatar vibes. There's a wide range of characters to choose from, and it's definitely best served up in co-op mode. When you log in for the first time, you're taken through a tutorial showing you the ropes of running, jumping, using your primary and your secondary abilities, collecting essence and picking up medkits. The controls are familiar, as are the cast of heroes, and once you get through the tutorial, you can jump into either of the game modes, the Heart of the Hives or the Alpha Hunters. So Heart of the Hives is an objective-focused game where teams of four attempt to take down three huge plant-like monsters and steal their hearts. You'll select a location to drop onto the rather large map, and then locate the hive first of all. Along the way, you have to take down a variety of enemies, some look like snakes or dragons, some hungry-looking plant, and some larger stegosaurus-type enemies. They're not too tricky to take down, but they're going to be throwing projectiles at you the whole time, so do keep an eye on your health and top it up when you need to. 
Once you've located the hive, then it's time to rain down damage on it to reveal the heart inside. Once you've exposed the heart, then it's like capping a point in other shooter games. The twist is, you'll have PvE and PvE enemies trying to stop you, with the other team of four trying to get at the heart at the same time. Fight off the team, collect the heart, and you have a point, and it's the first team to three points that win. In the other mode, Alpha Hunters, it's more like a traditional battle royale or team deathmatch, where teams of two pair up to take on seven other teams of two in a winner-take-all. Again, there's a twist, if your partner dies, you can form a temporary alliance until the latter stages of the fight, and I think it's when three are left and it's every man or woman for themselves. You have to keep an eye out for PvE enemies, but this match mode is much more frantic and feels higher in stakes than the previous mode. Across both modes, there's a series of characters to choose from, including Mendoza, the generic all-rounder with an auto-rifle and a grenade. You've got Summer with her flamethrowers and Earl with a minigun called Misty. There's definitely some standout characters here, including Tosca, the cat-like scientist with poison bullets and a mist attack. You've got Drakal with his big axe and Suzanne with a choice of gun, sword and throwing knife. The cast of characters, they definitely seem interesting, but much like cast of characters in other games, it's going to take some time to get to know their movesets and see which characters pair with each other really well. On my initial hours with the game, personally I like Mendoza and Tosca, and I'd definitely recommend giving them all a go and seeing which one works for you. Each character has a set of moves and they're not all the same, you know, some are faster, some are slower, some have ranged attacks and some have close range weapons like swords and axes. You have a primary attack with a weapon and then a secondary ability too. So Mendoza, for example, has a rifle for his main and a grenade for his secondary and you can also run. So not all characters are as mobile. Tosca, for example, has a blink, which has a cooldown so you can't consistently blink around the map. The mobility of the characters did seem a little bit slow for my liking, but maybe that's because I'm used to faster games. You know, I'd imagine that it depends on which genre you're coming from, whether you determine the game to be slow or not. As you progress through the game, you can level up your character which unlocks new abilities and allow you to change your playstyle of your character. So just talking about the genre there, and that brings me on to the genre of Crucible. In general, it is a bit of a mishmash. There's elements of Battle Royale, although it's not quite up to Fortnite, Apex Legends or Call of Duty Warzone levels of excitement in my initial time with the game. There are also elements of MOBA style play, and it also feels similar to Monster Hunter in terms of the level design and also the look and feel of the game too. You could even compare it to something like Destiny, leaving out the obvious comparison with a name like Crucible. Destiny is probably the loosest comparison of them all, but it almost feels like roaming around Nessus or the EDZ taking on public events. I do definitely feel like there's something here. You know, I don't know exactly what it is yet, but I did have fun in my short time with the game. I probably prefer the Heart of the Hives mode when it's compared to the Alpha Hunters, the Heart of the Hives mode seems more in-depth, slightly longer, and it gave me the time to explore the environment, gather up materials, whilst keeping an eye on the other team who were trying to also get the hearts. I didn't feel I had the mobility or the speed to outmanoeuvre other teams when in the Alpha Hunters mode, however, that may just be down to my initial skill level with the game. It will definitely be interesting to see the take-up of this game, as it's entering into a really busy market when it comes to the free-to-play shooters. It's straddling the boundaries of a few genres and it's going to have to get a lot done to capture an audience from those other games and then keep them coming back. My initial thoughts are that it's a perfectly fine game, however I don't know if it's got enough to keep me coming back time after time. It felt good to play, but I don't know if it had that X factor that you really really need to capture an audience, much like something like Apex Legends had when it first came out, or Valorant is probably the most recent example of that. You know, Valorant managed to generate some buzz recently with its closed beta and the Twitch drops that were given away through the Twitch integration and then it managed to keep people with its competitive gameplay. Crucible has definitely got some tough competition out there with Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, Destiny, Apex Legends, Valorant, CSGO, League of Legends and more You know, which are all either established with huge audiences or have generated a good amount of buzz. I would say if you're into any of those games mentioned, then it's worth giving Crucible a go, give it a few hours of your time and see how it feels. There's something here for sure, but whether it's enough for it to thrive and stick around is another question altogether. Well, let me know what you think of Crucible by signing up to patreon.com forward slash thisweekinvideogames and send in your contributions to the podcast. Next up, let's have a look at my review of Downwell.
Downwell may look simple, but scratch under the surface and you'll find detail, depth and a whole lot of fun in this venture of a tiny little character who jumps down a well. The concept is pretty easy to get your head round, jump into a well and safely navigate your way past enemies, projectiles whilst trying not to die and reach the objective at the bottom of the level. You only have a few hit points so try not to get hit by the variety of enemies and traps that stand in your way. Levels are different each time in this vertical scrolling roguelike and it feels like parts of Super Mario 2 but on steroids. There's also a small matter of having to start fresh when you run out of health so taking care through levels is definitely a must. First appearances can be deceiving and on first look Downwell may seem straightforward but it's far from simple. It's challenging, sometimes infuriating and also very very fast. The controls are similar to the concept of the game itself, seemingly simple but with a hidden depth the more you play. There's a simple three button control system, perhaps from its roots as a mobile game, with left, right and jump. The jump button then doubles as a fire button for whatever gun you happen to have strapped to your boots at the time. Projectiles shoot from your boots serve a couple of purposes, not only to clear enemies out of the way but to also affect your trajectory as you fall at speed down the well and clear your path. As well as shooting enemies with your gun enabled boots, you can also jump on enemies heads to kill them. Do this a few times in quick succession and you can chain together combinations that allow you to get more points and reload your weapon whilst in midair. You only have a few shots from your boots so combining your shooting and your Mario style jump attacks on enemies are definitely more useful than it may seem at first. As you make your way down various levels in the well you come across rooms that give you moments away from the action. So here you can pick up power ups including new guns for your boots including shotguns, lasers, triple shot and burst and many many more. So the power ups affect tactics as you speed down the well with lasers allowing you to clear things from a distance, shotguns allow you to take out tanky enemies in a single shot. The new weapon power ups also serve a dual purpose as you can recover health too and increase your max HP. Also on your way down you come across shops where you can buy energy and other power ups, although I tended to focus on health as that was what I needed the most. The shopkeeper is also really smiley but don't jump over him and stomp on his or her products as his face will turn into a frown in a really nice little touch. These rooms and shops provide rare moments of calm in an otherwise action packed fast paced descent into danger. So in between levels you can pick up modifiers allowing you to enhance the environment in your favour. For example blocks that explode shoot out projectiles or by eating enemies after you kill them it restores some health. It's gross but it's really really useful. You can get 10% off the price of shops and plenty of other things that help you along the way. As you dive bomb your way down you want to collect a currency called gems, not only to pick up items from the vendor but also building up your gem meter. Downwell keeps track of your overall gem count and you can unlock new game modes as well as colour palettes for your adventure. By collecting loads of gems you unlock gem high mode where your attacks do more damage as long as you're topping up your gems by collecting them. The ideal state is to get gem high mode as fast as possible and keep that buff going by continuing to collect gems. Spending your gems wisely in the game is advised, although using them to unlock new styles of play is also fun. These modifiers either add or remove the difficulty. For example, arm spin mode adds more gun modules but makes shops really rare, giving you fewer opportunities to upgrade or buy items like health. There's also different visual styles to unlock in the game with the obvious Nintendo nods like G-Boy and V-Boy referring to Game Boy and Virtual Boy colour palettes. The visual styles may seem like a simple colour change but when you're trying to get down that well at speed you want to be seeing where you're going as best as possible otherwise it's going to be much harder to get down there safely. The systems all work together beautifully and on the surface the controls seem really simple but clearly a lot of thought and craft has gone into Downwell because it flows so well. Combining the jump and the attack buttons into one means you don't have more than one control system to learn, allowing you to focus on your tactics and flying down that well as fast as you can. Once you get through a few rounds you realise the speed element of the game is an underlying focus, with the game designer Ajiro Fumoto adding a timer at the end of your runs. Rather than taking the cautious route you're promoted to fly down the well at pace, jumping off enemies where possible, avoiding the enemies highlighted that you can't bounce off and shooting your way through walls as fast as you can. There are a few ways to approach downwell, you can hurtle down as fast as you can, try desperately to avoid everything in your path or you can take the more cautious method by killing everything in your path before carving a way forward. The combo system is a great addition but for me that's going to take a little bit more practice and time. 
This is a dip-in and dip-out game that definitely respects your time. Originally a mobile game that found its way to PC and consoles like Nintendo Switch, this is the perfect game for when you're on the go and you have a few moments to spare. The early levels serve as a nice warm-up to the tricky levels ahead and they do get super tough in places. You may find yourself practicing for as little as 10 minutes on a level or find yourself dragged into a multi-hour session trying to perfect your runs and your time. I played the game on Xbox Game Pass but you can pick this one up for a really reasonable price on mobile devices and Nintendo Switch or Steam on PC. Now, it's been out for some time but it's a game I came away from thinking how fun it was and how much I wanted to go back to perfect my runs, get better times and spend plenty more time with in the world of Downwell. So don't judge a book by its cover, find some time to spend with Downwell, you definitely won't regret it. So the game was developed by Moppin, it was released on the 15th of October 2015 and it's available for PC, Nintendo Switch, iOS, Android and even the PlayStation Vita. And I gave it a final score of 77 out of 100. Well let me know what you think of the game by signing up to patreon.com forward slash thisweekinvideogames and you can contribute to the podcast by sending in questions, comments and your feedback and I would really really love to hear from you. If you're enjoying This Week in Video Games podcast, then head on over to iTunes. It'd be great if you could leave us a nice review. I've also recently installed an easy-to-review button. You can check that down in the show notes of the podcast. Don't forget, This Week in Video Games has a YouTube channel that goes alongside with the podcast, and the YouTube channel's got the entire archive, as well as dedicated reviews, interviews, and loads of features. And if you want to level up your Guardian in Destiny 2, I've got loads of season guides, weapon guides, and armor guides as well. So search This Week in Video Games on YouTube and subscribe today for all the latest content. So This Week in Video Games is also a Patreon where you can get access to exclusive content and early access to the podcast. If you sign up for as little as $2 a month, which is less than a cup of coffee, you can contribute to the podcast each week, get exclusive Discord roles, and get your name immortalised as a producer in the show notes. Everything from Patreon gets invested back into making the show better, so if you enjoy This Week in Video Games, sign up to Patreon today. So next up, I've got a chat with Arex from Arex Gaming, where we discuss some of the exciting announcements of the summer so far, his new fitness and games crossover called Video Games, and we also look forward to the rest of 2020. So let's go over to that interview now. Okay, so welcome back to This Week in Video Games, and I'm here today with a really special guest. I'm here with Arex from Arex Gaming. So welcome, Arex. How you doing, man? I'm good, I'm good. How about yourself? Thank you for having me on. Pretty good. It's uh, it's a bit toasty today here in London, so... Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but how are, you, how are you getting on with uh, lockdown? Obviously, we're about sort of eight weeks in now. How are you getting on? Yeah, good. I mean, I, I don't. I, I've I've completely lost all track of time, um, and I only know what day it is by Animal Crossing. But apart from that, I mean, it's 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 all right. I mean, I'm I'm used to working like this anyway. Like it's uh it's that sort of uh, funny thing where the way that I have worked for the past five years has now apparently been branded branded as lockdown. So I'm like, oh well, okay, <laughs> this is my daily life. But yeah, no, it's good. No, it's good. I can't I can't really complain. Honestly, like we're quite we're fortunate that I'm able to just carry on as is, keep creating content and stuff. Um, and yeah, I'm just uh. Try to sort of, I guess the only thing really that's been impacted is a little bit like kind of going to the gyms and stuff, but I'm I'm finding ways around it. So yeah, can't complain really. I guess the um one of the one of the big impacts that we've had is the the impact on the events with um yeah. every, everything kind of being cancelled and, and going online. How how has that sort of how has that impacted you? There's been yeah, it's definitely um especially this time of year, because this is the time of year where like a lot of stuff normally starts happening. Obviously, we're getting close to what would typically be three. Um, so, you know, I mean, the most notable one is E3 itself being cancelled. I mean, that is, that's, that's just like, they, that. I mean, E3 being cancelled is like someone saying Christmas is cancelled. It's like, it just doesn't happen. Like, it's just like E3 is just this staple that has just existed for like, as long as I can remember. So it not being in its kind of present sense is quite weird. But at the same time, it's been interesting to sort of see how companies are adapting. You know, there've been, there've been companies that, you know, I've got involved in some um, remote capture events to, like, you know, record some gameplay for stuff, things that, Previously, I wouldn't have thought possible because they were just like you'd all have to go to an event, bring your equipment, and they've just found ways to do it. So yeah, it's actually been it's been quite interesting to sort of see how people have adapted. Um, so kind of fortunate, really. I think it, it it's cool as well because it potentially gives the, the opportunity for more people to go to those events. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I think that's the thing as well. I think a lot of people are starting to realise it's. This, I guess 
to a degree, it's kind of why Nintendo, you know, you even look at what they used to do at E3, like they stopped doing their conventional stage shows and like their, their conventional like booth presence and just started to do a lot of things online through like Nintendo Directs because, you know, we're in a digital age now. Everyone consumes things online and like the majority of people for the money it costs to rent out some of those booths. Because I mean, I've heard from companies before, like it's costing them millions to be able to set up a booth. And like if you can just put out an online video that will reach more people, more people will watch it, it will get the same impact. I mean, it's... Surely it's got it from a business point of view. It's got to be a no brainer. It's interesting as well, because like one of one of the benefits for the audience for events is you kind of get that kind of hands on feel for for the game. And you, you, you get a lot of journalists going to those events and you yeah. know, co- content creators and you, you get that sort of true sense of what the game is. Whereas in the uh, I, I think the presentations are great and it's, it's great mm. to see um, Sony kind of following on from Nintendo's lead with their sort of state of place. But you do get. A little bit more of a kind of controlled um, impression of uh, what the game is. Yeah, you know, you're definitely right. I mean, I, def- I definitely, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to knock it. I mean, as soon as this is like, you know, once we get back to normal, like I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, it's gonna be great going back to like events normally because it is still nice to be able to go hands on. Um, but it's, it's always kind of reminiscent of like before I was in the industry or before I did anything around YouTube or content creation, like how I used to just consume things as just a, just a a fan at home when I, you know, I used to be at school and our friends would just sit down and we all watch trailers and stuff. And all we, the only thing that we had to go on was like, all right, I'm watching this trailer. I mean, and that's the, you know, that's, that's, that's literally what you base your opinions on. Um, so it's kind of just almost going back to, back to the roots. Or what's been your go-to lockdown game? At the moment, it still is largely speaking Animal Crossing. Cause I, I mean, obviously there, there have been things that have dropped amidst this. So, you know, I, I went through and did Final Fantasy VII Remake, which was fantastic. I mean, that was, that was great for me because I, I never actually played the original. So that was my first kind of foray into Final Fantasy VII. Um, I played through, you know, I still I still play Monster Hunter anyway. That's like a big one for me, but I've, I've kind of slowed down a little bit on that at the moment. But to be honest, a lot of games are kind of going into this sort of slow period. So we are in that, It was it's always been that way in the kind of games industry. There's that typical like pre-E3 window where things get a little bit quiet. So I'm kind of just ticking over playing some Animal Crossing. I'm actually using some of the sort of my lockdown time outside of gaming just to study some other things anyway um so yeah not uh not a not a great deal i do basically just spend my days just rebuilding my island i've i've gone on this this epic quest now to i got to my five star village and then i got bored of it so i went and destroyed the entire village and then i spent hours flattening everything picking up everything terraforming everything so i can build it all again i see you've been um getting loads of the jock types to your islands as well. i've been yes. following along on your on your videos <laughs> yeah it has to it has to happen it has to like it's um you know i've fully embraced that gym life so i'm like you know i've, I've got I've got seven out of ten jocks so far. I thought I had eight because one of them I was convinced was a jock, but then I just I, I I googled his name, went on the official Animal Crossing Wikipedia, turned out he was actually a cranky villager type. So I was I feel like I've been lied to, but I like him so much that I've just I'm I'm, I'm just gonna call him a jock. So we're we're close. And I got another Animal Crossing card the other day with like a jock frog. So I'm now gonna be technically speaking once I've invited him nine out of, eight out of ten. So we're 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 close. We're close to the Swole Island. <laughs> and. Last question on the lockdown. Um, have you had any sort of crazy purchases? <laughs> uh, basically every single day. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I just randomly find myself on Amazon. I'm like, oh, I, I this would be useful. I mean, it's, it's just, I mean, a lot of the time they're linked to things that I'm, I'm doing anyway. Like I, I, you know, the other day, I finally, I finally, the biggest purchase was probably I finally found some legitimate weights because obviously gyms are closed and I can't really do much. And I've been, I've been looking everywhere and they're sold out everywhere or scalpers are selling them for double the price. Finally found something the other day. So I've got like 150 kilograms of weights on their way in a couple of weeks, which is cool. Um, outside of that, yeah, there's a lot of like random gaming things. I've, I've, I've bought too many animal crossing cars. Like every time they come back in stock on the Nintendo website, I'm like, let me buy some more of these. I don't need them. But yeah, I, I dread to think how much I've spent during lockdown because uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a slippery slope. I finally uh, took the plunge into VR at the beginning of, of lockdown because the uh, it was I think it was about the same time that Half Life Alex came out. Nice. And I was I was super on the fence kind of before um, before all this stuff happened. And as soon as, as soon as everyone said, "Oh, well, you're not going outside for a while," I was like, "Right, I'm gonna I'm getting in there." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which which one did you get? Did you get the Quest or did you get the uh, the one with the wire? I got the Oculus uh, Rift S, I think it is. Nice, yeah, that's the one that I picked up as well for the uh, for Alex. How did you find Half Life, Alex? Because I, I found it like visually, it was, it was super impressive. Like as as VR games go, probably one of the like it was it's one of the first times I played a VR game and it actually felt like a AAA game. But I just I haven't done VR for such a long time, but I got 
horrendous motion sickness playing that game. That was the, actually the first time I'd I played sort of through a whole VR game properly. And okay. I, I tended to sort of play it for an hour, um, hour and a bit every time and then took a break. So I didn't sort of spend, mm. I didn't spend too, too long in there. But yeah, it, it wasn't too bad. Yeah, it was, it, it was kind of surprised me because I, I'd never had that. I've, I played VR games before and I'd never had that before. Like I used to play Rigs on PSVR. It's one of my favorite ones. And that's that people said they always got like motion sickness from because you're playing these super fast mechs and you're darting around the world. And I'd understand it making people feel feel dizzy, but I never got that. But Half-Life Alex, maybe I just had the wrong movement option. But every time I would just walk, it would just like, I'd just be like, whoa, I feel super dizzy. That's that's one of the challenges that they're really going to have to get over. You know, you, you, making a product that makes your uh, audience feel sick is a bit of a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not the best selling point. Um, well, we were, we were sort of talking about events earlier and sort of how how they how they've sort of changed um over the mm. last couple of months um what, what what do you think of the summer games fest so far i mean we've had um recent some you know awesome recent announcements with like ghost of Sh- uh, tsushima um paper mario uh, the unreal 5 engine things like that what, what's your sort of sense of things so far I think it's I think it's quite cool. Like like conceptually, it's quite cool. I mean, poor old Jeff. Every time he's got to do an, do an announcement, the companies just drop their trailer just as he's about to go live, and it's like, uh, well, I mean, you know, but but no, but, but principally, is it's it's pretty cool because the what he's trying to shoot for is obviously you know you think about the timeline normally like if this if this was a normal year and we weren't in lockdown it would be e3 happens in june then you go quite quiet for for july and the beginning of august is quite quiet until we get to gamescom whereas him doing the whole summer games fest from now all the way up until august basically i mean i know he's not going to have like daily announcements that entire time but it does kind of extend that that window that is otherwise quite um dry a lot of the time like it's i've always it's always baffled me why i mean there must be a financial reason like obviously i'm not like clued in on that stuff but it's always baffled me why in the games sphere summer specifically there's never anything that comes out i'm like surely summer holidays when you want to release your games when people are at home um so the fact that there's stuff going on during that nice little window i think is i think it's quite cool i mean obviously you know some of the announcements have been better than others um but having something to kind of keep you all sort of you know to, to check back in on i'm i'm all for i'm all for it I wasn't too sort of excited about um, Ghosts until that walkthrough trailer Ooh, from Sony's yes. State of Play last week. Uh, what, what did you think of that? That was yeah, that was incredible. So so Ghosts, I I, I mean I was I was super looking forward to that anyway, but it was it, it was I tempered my expectations. I was interested in it because obviously you know I like um, Japanese history. I'm obviously you know, kind of anything like set in that time period. I always really like anyway. So I could and I'd seen the previous gameplay demonstration at E3 uh 2019 20 oh was it 2018 one of those ones i think it was 2018 actually um when they did a gameplay presentation for that so i'd seen it and it was cool and i liked it but at the time i was still like i don't know what this game is because they they showed that very controlled one where they walked out over the fields it looked very impressive and they had that first kind of encounter but you didn't really get the sense of the gameplay flow but then when they showed that like and it all tied together i was like this is my hype just went through the roof. This is like it's now it's now become one of the my most anticipated well, most anticipated games this year, and that's and that's saying something considering we have next generation consoles around the you know on the horizon and you know, potentially tons of other games. So yeah, to see that all come together, I got a lot of like Breath of the Wild exploration vibes from that. I was just gonna say Breath of the Wild, yeah, yeah, because like the the whole world looks like you know everything. It's one of those ones where. There's because there's there's you know there's a lot of like there's to me there's a couple of different sort of standards when it comes to open worlds, and you know some some companies will always just do things on sheer graphical fidelity and the scale and like a lot of people always like oh Red Dead Redemption two honestly I, kind of a controversial thing but I personally found Red Dead Redemption two quite a boring game for me I I, mm. I get why people like it and it's technically very impressive and everything like that but when I explored the world I never had any desire to be like oh I want to go over that mountain and find out what's there I'm just like I just want to get to the next story beat and finish it. Whereas with Breath of the Wild, I mean, yes, it's a little bit biased because I'm a huge Zelda fan, but Breath of the Wild, every time I was playing, I was like, I just want to go and explore there. Oh, there's a cliff up there. There's a tiny hole in this wall. There must be something there. And like that, that magical kind of like desire to explore, I feel like that's present in uh, Tsushima as well. Yeah, it looks, looks really cool. And also announced for, I think the very same day is a new um, Paper Mario game. Yes, that's so awesome. And uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's going to be a return to the, the kind of quote-unquote good paper mario games that we had in the yeah. past yeah i'm quite lucky because i uh i don't have any memory of bad paper mario games because i played 
Thousand Year Door on GameCube, which is one of the last ones that people regard as like a really good one. Mm. And I actually didn't play the following ones. And then, but apparently, from like you know what I sort of seen online, it's like everyone was sort of saying the ones that followed, the ones that went real time, were actually not very good. So my my memory of Paper Mario is is untainted, which is great. Which is so when so when I heard that announcement, I was just like my excitement. I didn't have any sort of like questions of oh, was it going to be you know good or not? Because I completely I wasn't I was completely unaware that the previous ones had just gone down the drain basically. Um, so I'm hoping, but I mean, from what they said online, like they, you know, they, there's turn-based combat is returning. They've added some stuff in, so it looks like they're going back for the kind of more traditional gameplay style. I mean, it looks fantastic though. Like Nintendo, I'm I'm a huge Nintendo fanboy, but Nint- Nintendo can do no wrong in my eyes. <laughs> uh, I I totally agree with you. I mean, I my first console um, was a was a NES with oh. Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt, and I sort of went up through the. The SNES and you know I think I had a Virtual Boy at one point as well. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Amazing. I think it. I think it's sort of um, dead in a box somewhere, which is <laughs> unfortunate. Given the Paper Mario um, reveal, and mm. do you think that sort of adds any um, extra? Uh, you know, I know there was a lot of um, rumors about other Mario games, and this year being the, the anniversary of Mario. Do you think that kind of leads into a potential exciting kind of end I of summer? I reckon so. Yeah, it's it's one of, it's one of those ones where again, it's like I mean, you always need to take like rumors with like a pinch of salt. But like when when a lot of the rumors are like you know from a reliable source, there's going to be like a Paper Mario coming, and then suddenly it gets announced, and a few of the things that they said are coming suddenly start to get ticked off the list. You're like, ah, you know, and I can I can see it happening. I mean, they they often do those kind of things when it comes to like big um anniversary milestones we've seen them like remake other titles anyway and i think again it's like it's it's like one of those it's like it's like printing free money right because obviously to build the next big 3d mario will probably take them quite a lot longer because nintendo obviously they take a lot of their time with that so i feel like the next time we get like an odyssey so to speak will be probably quite a while you know i mean some some sometimes it's only ever been like once a generation right because you had mario 64 mario sunshine on gamecube then galaxy on wii so i wouldn't even be surprised if we don't see another brand new 3d mario on switch maybe i don't know who knows but yeah i think them bringing those ones back bringing back galaxy bringing back 64 bringing back um they've done it in the past we, we got mario 64 on 3ds so yeah, I mean they've 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 got to do that. That would be it would be great. And and as I say, if they drop it in like the summertime, that would be fantastic. I just want, I want to go back to Mario Sunshine. That game was so good. The um like Odyssey was was, was such a perfect game for me. I I yeah. that, that that's that's one that um I actually got into speed running through um oh, Mario really? Odyssey, and it is it's something I I kind of watched um speed like Grand Pooh Bear and yeah. um, people like that and uh, doing all the old kind of like um. Super Mario World ROM hacks and things like that, and I thought, oh, you know, I'll give it a go. Really, really hard. Really regretted it. <laughs> yeah, really. Oh dear. Yeah, I've, I've always liked the idea of it, but like the the reality of speed running versus like what I picture in my head. Like I'm just like, oh yeah, I'll just run through the stage fast. When the reality of it is like you need to find a corner and like rub up against the corner so you can flip into the nether or something. So the only slight disappointment with the Mario stuff coming out. I mean, it's it, it's awesome. I love Mario games. I was I was kind of hoping for a Breath of the Wild two um, announcement later on in the year, and I just wonder if uh, with yeah. it with it being Mario year, maybe that will maybe that's gonna shift things. I into... still feel like they will do it because I think like even if, even though it's been like Mario year, and obviously then bringing bringing like Paper Mario um, and things like that, I still feel like because because when you think about it, that's like the next big thing they've announced. Like you know they they because Nintendo have this this is they seem to have adopted the strategy like a lot of, lot of developers are doing now like a lot of more people in this current climate seem to be when they announce something generally speaking most of the time it's then available within the next six to 12 months i think i think gone are the not necessarily gone but going in the days where companies announce something and they were like yeah you can see it in three years time like there are still some people that do it like square enix love to do it um and i know nintendo have got like metroid but outside like generally speaking if you look across the board a lot of companies are like you announce something it comes soon so obviously they drop paper mario uh, and it's Mario year, but if they do a lot of those remakes, I feel like I mean there were some rumors going around the other day, like about Breath of the Wild. Like, like at one point, it was potentially slated to be end of the year, but obviously in light of like um, Corona and other things like mm. that. But like I could see honestly, I could still see Breath of the Wild being out like early, like first quarter, end of first quarter next year, just because in my mind, I'm like, all right, it's built on the Breath of the Wild engine, so tech wise, a lot of it's already in place. So really, when you think about building games like that, it's like surely a lot more of it is content. I mean, I know content in itself still takes a long time. Like it's not, you know, building games isn't easy, but I'd like to think that the turnaround time for Breath of the Wild 2 could potentially be quicker than the original one. So yeah, it'll be quite, and, and you know, given the, what was it? Breath of the Wild 
launched in March before anyway. So maybe like a, a, a Q1 next year. And I think I think there was a rumor I saw the other day online about people saying potentially that Nintendo said they might not have any directs for like the, the short term future, um, which and so there was some kind of credence added to that, given that they just simply just dropped a Paper Mario trailer. They didn't have it in a direct or anything, um, which I, will be kind of sad because, I, you know, I, I, I like the directs, but I still feel like Nintendo are going to want to sort of say something around the E3 window because we're, we're now in that weird point, right? Because after July, like we don't know what Nintendo are doing. Like everything else is just rumors. There's not even anything on the slates. It's literally like once we get past July and we've got Paper Mario, like what is coming to Switch? Nobody knows, right? They've got to have something for that uh, for that build up to Christmas. Exactly, yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm a massive Nintendo fan. I I can't wait. And I guess to uh, you know, um, going back on my previous point, uh, the Breath of the Wild and Odyssey were released in the same year, so it could happen. Mm. It could happen again. True, true, true. Yeah, I think fingers crossed. The um the the other really exciting thing um, that's happened over the last couple of weeks is the kind of Unreal Engine uh, reveal, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on 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 that demo. I thought I thought it looked like looked fantastic. I mean, like, I'm I'm not as again, so as someone that grew up as like a Nintendo kid, like I'm always gameplay first, graphics second, but I'm still always massively like blown away by it. And that, that's I think that's one of the things that I like seeing about next gen. Like even if that was just a tech demo, it doesn't end up being the game. And realistically speaking, it will probably be a while before developers are actually able to get a game looking that good running on the consoles. Because you know, like, they always do that thing. They show that aspirational stuff at the beginning of a generation. They're like, this is what the, the console could possibly do. Um, but then, you know, people start putting their games out. They realize, like, limitations. And it's only really mid to end of the console lifecycle that people start to really harness the power. And then you start getting, like, your your God of Wars and your Last of Us, that kind of fidelity. So I feel like, um, but, I mean, but just, just to see it, just from a, a sheer, like, excitement point of view, honestly, that looks... I want them to make that into a real game. Like, it brought back Prince of Persia memories for me. And we haven't had a Prince of Persia for years. I miss that game. It was, it was a real moment um, that kind of, I think, helped demonstrate what... Like or visualize what next gen um, could you know could be like, and I thought that was a yeah, it was a fantastic fantastic moment. I, I think there's rumors as well um, of a PlayStation event coming up in early June, and yeah, I, if, if you could pick any games, what would you want them to kind of show Ooh. at their showcase? Mm, that's tough. That's tough. I mean, I want to see like a new God of War, um, definitely. Like, but, but I wonder whether it's potentially too early for that. Uh, I want to see some more from Elden Ring, but I realized that was shown first in the Xbox conference. So I feel like even though it'll be multi-platform, I feel like if it's going to be shown, it's going to be them. Maybe they could do like a Bloodborne 2. That would, people would go wild for that. That would be nuts. It's a bit of an unknown for me because I mean, you know, there's there's some of the, like, the main the main franchises. But I yeah, I, I think I think I definitely like to sort of see like God of War stuff and sort of see what their first party studios are doing. But also just just seeing more like third party things, because I think I think that's what you're going to see a lot more in like the, the initial lineup, because first party stuff seems to be taking them like a lot longer anyway like they've got like a lot of big titles and they've obviously kind of still got things churning out on ps4 so oh you know what i do want to see though i do want to at least see even if we don't actually get any gameplay i do at least want to see a tease or a trailer or something just to tell me that final fantasy remake 7 remake chapter 2 is in the work i know they've confirmed it's in the works but like give me something give me like a, a 10 second teaser <laughs> how many how many chapters do you think they're gonna they make I'm not too sure. I mean, I never played the original one, so I don't have a reference point, but um, I feel like it's going to be like a three or four sort of thing because there's like, my understanding is you then have like the open world segment next and there's a couple of like other main story beats. I, yeah, mm. not too sure, but I feel, I feel like they're going to they're gonna drag it out a little bit, but I just, I just hope it's not going to be like a three-year wait in between each one because that's going to be, that's going to be <laughs> emotional. We'll, we'll complete it in about 2030. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. And then, but by, but by that time, they'll be like, well, before we actually do the uh, before we do the final chapter, we've actually decided to remake the remake again. Like, no, <laughs> stop it. It's certainly an exciting summer so far, and I think we've got a whole more um, whole more to come. Uh, I want to move slightly away from the kind of summer events, and you mentioned earlier, Eric, about um, getting some weights uh, coming in the post. Yeah. And uh, I know you, you started relatively recently uh, a new thing called uh, Video Gains, and I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about that. Sure, yeah. So it's actually, although I started relatively recently, it's actually been something that I've been planning for close to about two years now. Um, because like, like you know since i like, i used to be like massively overweight and like super unfit and i kind of just went to this i had one of those like personal realization points where i was like i just need to do something about this and then in the process of like getting losing weight and getting healthier i just discovered my love for actually working out um like I, you know largely speaking my stuff is like strength training stuff so i discovered my love for like weightlifting and then in the process of sort of doing that over the years you know i kind of like i've achieved like different goals and then 
gradually like it became it became just as integral to me as gaming has and then those and as my passion started to fuse there were so many parallels between them like the way that i think about video games is often the way that i think about working out like a lot of a lot of like physical stuff is just like grinding in real life it's like xp it's like you know working towards your next milestone working towards your next like unlock because you know you you lift more weight and suddenly you've hit the next milestone in your skill tree there's so many like parallels and it's like it sounds sort of like cheesy to say but it's just the way that i you know as, as people that have kind of grown up playing like games like all of our lives it's it's kind of in, intrinsic to the way that you think so um yeah i spent i spent the best part of like the past sort of year and a half like thinking about how i wanted to do this planning and you know you do the typical thing when you want to do something new you procrastinate for ages and you think about it talk about it in your head uh nothing really happened so this like this year was the year when i was like right all these ideas that i've had written down and been planning for the past x years i'm actually going to do it this was my year to i mean rather unfortunate that corona happened but this was my year to be like i'm going to do everything so i kicked that off and obviously kicked that off with socks who uh, works at capcom friend of mine he went on a similar sort of journey again he sort of went from being like, overweight to getting healthy and also getting into lifting so we basically the idea behind video games is just to merge the worlds of gaming and fitness and show that fitness can be fun and gamers can also be fit and healthy like it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive i guess with corona and stuff like that gyms have, have been shut down um mm. what's what's your how have you adapted to that with a kind of home setup so what we, i mean what we've kind of like done uh for like the home stuff is like you know there's a lot of like home workout stuff that we've been able to sort of help people um point people in the direction of we're very sort of mindful like there's there's a lot of um kind of stuff that i'm helping people in uh, we're, we're trying to sort of help people by leading by example because i'm mindful of like the situation that i'm not technically speaking a certified pt and while i've mm. been i've learned a lot over the past past few years i've gone to seminars i've learned from a lot of professional coaches there's a lot of stuff that i personally know myself and i know to be you know factually accurate but i'm also mindful that you know as someone that is not a certified coach i want to make sure that i'm um treading the the right line so to speak so what we often do is that we everything that we do in video games to help people is is told through the lens of like our own experiences this is what we've done ourselves this is what worked for us and it's you know that and that way we're kind of like able to guide people without explicitly saying this is what you should do you know mm. and, that, and that's something that you know may change down in the future because i've got like plans for stuff that i want to do further in the future but there's things that i need to line up for that first but um yeah i think i think it's sort of you know for when it comes to adapting to to being locked down we, we've been speaking about like how we ourselves have adapted because you know i've i've gone from i used to run a pretty you know pretty solid like strength-based workout so obviously you know lifting heavy weights to suddenly being at home so i've had to switch to resistance based training uh but i've actually it's, it's quite interesting because it's been like a learning process for myself i found ways to to genuinely make it work like it's not one of those things where it's like our oh, home workout is just to tick off some numbers like i've actually been able to kind of make them pretty pretty grueling so it definitely, it definitely sort of like you know adapts quite well so i've tried to sort of you know try to sort of work that in there's a lot more things we can do from home we're talking about like nutrition because that's something that people can still very much control at home you know there's your while gyms are closed you know you're not it's not going to affect your nutrition so we're kind of just going over all the things that people can do without access to a gym uh and then obviously once they kind of can get back again then we'll build up to to bigger things so how can people um find out about video games so if you go to the uh well, i mean the youtube channel isn't hasn't quite got a custom url just yet but if you if you go to if you if you find me on twitter or you find uh video games on twitter um just search for well it's actually with it's actually with a zero so it's video with a zero games um and then yeah if you check us out check us out on youtube we upload like once uh once a week and kind of talking about different different topics you can find us on twitter find us on instagram uh we're kind of on all the all the socials so if people want to sort of you know have questions because that's what we also want to do we want to kind of open the make things make things accessible because one of the things that i realized through doing a lot of this fitness stuff is that like a lot of it can be quite daunting if you don't know what you're doing to begin with so what i'm trying to do is like just make people realize that a it's not that scary b it's not that difficult and c just if people have questions then just go in there so yeah hit us up on twitter hit us up on instagram hit us up on the youtube comments and we can uh we can help i'll put a link down to um all of your all of your socials in the, in the show notes so people can get a nice and easy access to it and um, have you ever dabbled in like fitness video games i have yes yes so i did um i did i mean like i you know back in the day like because I, I used to work at microsoft so back in the day I uh, did some testing on uh, Connect Sports. We did some stuff on there. Um, and then obviously following on from there, I've done like some of the, the Nintendo things in the past. And more recently, I tested out uh, Nintendo Ring Fit, which is actually really, really good. Uh, I was genuinely super impressed with that because sometimes when it's like fitness related video games, sometimes they're more gimmicky. And it's just like the only real kind of link to fitness is that they're just having you jumping around the room and you're getting a bit sweaty. And it's like, eh, I mean, you know, sure, you're burning some calories, but it's not really the same thing. 
But then the Ring Fit one is so well thought out because it's got, um, you know, all these different movements in it. And you can kind of, you know, there's all the there's all the game elements in it. But then you can strip out the gaming stuff and you can actually look at the underlying system and what it's kind of doing and the way that you can use the ring to target different pulling and pushing motions, horizontal, vertical, everything like that. It's so well thought out. Uh, and when I got a chance to test that before it actually released, I actually took my personal trainer along. Uh, so we test it together. And then to kind of get like a, a level four, like strength and conditioning coach to like try it and be like, you know what, this is actually really good um was yeah it was it was actually a lot of fun i was surprised because i i managed to bag a, a copy um oh, nice just after lockdown started because i just to sort of you know help keep up some of the some of the fitness during during these times and mm. yeah i was super surprised i was i was sweating buckets <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's really it's, it's crazy just how much like how much of a workout is it kind of push you through like, i remember when i when i first went to test it like me and my trainer because obviously you know again because we train quite a lot we're like oh yeah we'll just put it on the most difficult setting surely it won't be that bad oh my gosh i regretted that i was like what the hell why is it making me do like 30 bodyweight squats just to kill one trash mob what the hell is this yeah that was uh it's good no, it's, it's genuinely genuinely really good like, i know quite a few people that have picked it up um you know people that are just kind of like looking to kind of get some activity at home um yeah and it's it's it's, it's genuinely been uh been very good so yeah I'm, i i i think I appreciate a lot of the time that like, Nintendo have done um, the kind of fitness stuff before, because even when they did the Wii Balance Ball before, there's obviously a lot of like science behind it. So um, yeah, I definitely think it's uh, you know if people are looking for something to do at home, Ring Fit is is a good uh, good grab. Uh, I was wondering if there's anything that anything that you're looking forward to in uh, 2020 that's coming up. Oh, I mean, yeah, this is this is like even despite the despite the lockdown, this is going to be a good year. I mean, like the, apparently according to to the first parties, like console production is still on track. So the fact that anytime there is a new console generation, it is incredibly exciting. Even if the first year of console console generation isn't necessarily the best stuff, like I just can't wait for that. Like I can't wait for the new Xbox. I can't wait for the new PlayStation. Jumping into games like that, like I mean, especially one of the one of the ones that we obviously know for PlayStation Five that I'm super excited for is Godfall because that's obviously like a loot based game that is with swords. Like I've always been. It's funny because I cover a lot of like looter shooters, but I'm inherently not a huge shooter fan <laughs> um but i love like melee stuff so godfall being like a melee looter is just like my jam but yeah everything everything and anything to be to do with like the new consoles i just i just want it all i'm with you on that one with uh, godfall it looks absolutely fantastic mm. i think we had a little bit of leaked footage and i'm, I'm really looking for you know, it's it's gotta be in that uh opening playstation has to be. yeah has to be yeah i mean that, that's that's one of the only things they've got like actual tangible gameplay for because I, I think you know a lot of people are going to be like they're going to be dropping a lot of those cinematic trailers to be like here's what you got to look forward to so they've got to give us something so yeah it's, it's really interesting as well because microsoft have been hitting it out of the park i think almost with with everything um maybe up until recently with the mm. with the kind of third party gameplay reveals and i think one of the things that i'm quite looking forward to is ne with next generation is um project x cloud as well and how we sort of True. move into that streaming space um google stadia had a bit of a <laughs> Google what? <laughs> bit of a bit of a tricky bit, yeah. of, a, bit of a tricky release, but I, I'm really interested because um, Xbox Game Pass is uh, doing absolutely fantastic. That now, is phenomenal. Yeah, I think there's like 10 million active accounts out there now. It's uh, do, doing brilliantly. But yeah, really interesting to see um, where not only the next generation consoles. But these kind of next generation delivery systems and sort of how how they they impact things. I wondered if you had any thoughts in in that area. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's interesting because like up until this point, I've never really had like too much faith in the cloud because a lot of it is like you know as much as they're as good as they sound, it's still one of those things where it's like you're ultimately limited by the majority's internet. And you know although you or I might have like decent upload speeds. Like I think I, it would be interesting to sort of see like a majority poll. I would, I would be willing to bet like the vast majority of people don't necessarily have the greatest connections. So to see what they can do with that. Um, Cause I don't know, I've always found like the cloud, the cloud system in my mind has always been a bit backwards because to me, I'm like, well, the cloud system seems like a perfect solution for people that don't have great rigs or don't have like a super powerful PC to be able to play stuff. Cause you know, like if you have the streaming services, you don't need to have the PC to run it. You just stream it. Right. Mm. So I think to myself, that makes sense. But then at the same time to get the best out of it, you also need to have the best internet. And generally speaking, if you match them up, someone that's got that probably doesn't have a great PC or a great rig or hasn't necessarily got the money to buy a powerful game PC. A lot of the time also doesn't have great internet. So it's almost like a mismatch, right? You'd almost think it's like, you would want to create a cloud gaming service for people that have bad internet 
and also therefore by extension sometimes maybe don't have a great pc i know it doesn't always match up i mean people in australia typically always have bad internet i know a lot of australian people and they're just like the best i get is like two megabytes up and they've still got powerful gaming pcs so it's not always a one for one but in my mind i just think to myself surely this is something that you would build for the people that can't fork out for that stuff so i don't know yeah i it's it's interesting but as, as someone that never really like used it myself it's not uh it's not something that i have huge faith in just yet i'd like to be proven wrong though i picked up a google stadia account and i've, I've given it a, oh, yeah. a, a test and it's, it's it's pretty good but i'm you know as you say i've, I've got quite good upload upload speeds and uh i think it, I, I think the the, the crossing point will probably be when the infrastructure gets raised up and let, let's say for example 5g um you know comes out and uh, is super super fast and i think mm. then that'll be the point where when it becomes widely available yeah um, definitely yeah i mean that's the thing I, th- I think i think it's the same thing for like a lot of those things it's like it's like the cloud cloud gaming kind of stuff it's like vr adoption and even 4k adoption like until all that stuff becomes like widely available like everybody has got it i don't really f- think they can really get a, like a sizable foothold to the point where it's going to like shift the gaming landscape because you know until everyone can accessibly get them and affordably get them it's definitely going to be like a big limiting factor well Alex, i've taken up plenty of your time today it's been an absolute pleasure i um I, I thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us on this week in video games i mean everyone go out there check out video games and uh, make sure make sure you find that subscribe the last thing to say is i hope you enjoy um the summer of games we've got a lot to look forward to this year it's uh, it's a really really exciting time and uh, yeah dude i wish you all the best thank you very much well, that was me there talking to Arex, and thank you once again, Arex. Really, really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us on this week in video games. We've certainly got a lot to look forward to in the world of gaming for the rest of 2020. So, talking of the future, next up, let's have a look at the future of Destiny 2. We're edging closer to the final season of Year 3 of Destiny 2, and with that comes rising speculation of not only for next season, but in the months and years to come for Destiny 2. Luke Smith has come out recently and started giving the community little hints as to what we could expect. Cathalion recently tweeted his excitement for the build-up to the summer and fall in Destiny after last week's This Week at Bungie, and Luke Smith came out to reply directly, saying, You are not prepared. On first viewing, this seems fairly innocuous, however, this references World of Warcraft. Both Luke and Goth were big WoW players back in the day, and with this reference coming from the Burning Crusade expansion. So Luke Smith, he doesn't tend to comment in the public conversation very much, and if he does, it's very deliberate. And you can see from the last week's This Week at Bungie article, directly from Luke Smith himself, that he's starting to get excited about the full expansion, the DLC, and beyond. There are a few points in This Week at Bungie, and that combined with the limited details from the tweet, we can expand and discuss. Let's have a look at the quote from Luke at This Week at Bungie. So he said, we're adding new armour for the core playlists, Strike, Gambit, and Crucible. This armour shares a new set of geometry with decals, shaders specific to that activity. We will create new sets like this each year, e.g. Year 4, Year 5, Year 6, etc. And this set will arrive alongside the next expansion. So first of all there, Luke mentions the full expansion directly for the first time. So we've been speculating about what could happen in the fall for some weeks, ever since the pyramid ship's countdown timer showed up in the bunkers and told us the darkness are on the perimeter of the solar system. In the fall expansion, we're likely to see the arrival of the pyramid ships, perhaps a new race to fight, new locations to explore, and perhaps the loss of some old locations too. So looking a little bit closer into the Burning Crusade reference a little bit, this was an expansion to World of Warcraft with the return of the Burning Legion. So they were a vast army of demons whose last invasion was unsuccessful in Warcraft 3 Reign of Chaos. The expansion also featured the ravaged world of Outland in which the Burning Legion controlled. So this has some stark similarities with Destiny, with the pyramid ships attacking before, during the original collapse, but ultimately us winning out with the intervention of the Traveller. Also, their potential to change environments, stating to us during our face-to-face meeting, they are our salvation. 
So Luke has mentioned World of Warcraft before. So during the Director's Cut Part 1 when describing the Menagerie, he said, The Menagerie, a six-player match-made activity where you make progress no matter what, is awesome. It's learn-by-watching mechanics, meaning that it doesn't require communication between players. The way groups can progress even if they don't kill the boss means the real efficiency gain is by learning and executing the fights quickly. Hasapiko, beloved by Callus and also beloved by me, feels like a great translation of World of Warcraft's Hygen the Unclean into an action game. So in admiring elements of World of Warcraft as a game designer and a player, and Destiny moving more into the world of an action MMO, we're likely to see successful elements recreated in Destiny with invading forces, and in the future, maybe even a dark versus light split in our Guardians, but more about that later on. Another key point from Luke's words was the mention of year 4, 5 and 6, which would take the game into 2023. We have been speculating about the arrival of Destiny 3, however, that now seems like years away with the hint that Destiny 2 could live on for a few more years yet. Bungie is likely to be looking at the lessons learnt from when they launched a rather bare-bones Destiny 2 back in 2017. The game back then had removed random roles, bounties, and introduced a new 4v4 PvP system, all of which didn't go down too well with fans, and many of the features were rolled back into a Destiny 1 state in the following years with Forsaken and Shadowkeep. Bungie also recently came out to confirm that Destiny 2 was going to appear on next generation consoles with a direct reply to Microsoft's tweet indicating that the companies were working together to bring the game to Xbox Series X. So we should be seeing more from Bungie in the summer, whether it be in partnership with Xbox for some Series X and next generation promotion and a few live streams of their own. So Jeff Keighley also has his summer Games Fest 2, and if Bungie are going to be promoting their next expansion, then I would imagine they're going to have a slot there somewhere. Together with Luke's indication of years 4, 5 and 6, it looks like Destiny 2 is going to live on for some time. Even though the game is going to live on with the title Destiny 2 for now, that doesn't mean it's going to be the same game. So Luke Smith has said before that the game cannot continue to grow exponentially and they have been experimenting with a seasonal model that introduced and then took away activities. We may be on the verge of whole locations being removed with the arrival of the darkness. So rather than blowing up the tower and all of our loot with it, destiny could be changed and sculpted around us. So looping back to the impending arrival of the pyramid ships, they could be used to reshape the solar system. They may destroy some locations like Titan, Mercury, Io and Nessus. They could all be at risk. You know, If the pyramid ships do arrive, then we could add one of these to our patrol spaces or perhaps even a raid location. But to do that, I think we've got to lose something. With the countdown clock in the game and all the cutscenes we've had, it's not beyond the stretch of the imagination for the pyramid ships to arrive in the full DLC. But what about beyond that? So what are we going to do in years 5 and 6? We do have plenty of unfinished storylines in the game, especially with Savathun and ending the cycle on the Dreaming City. So we also haven't yet filled the Hunter Vanguard spot, and we've got a lost Aldrin Sov wandering the outskirts of the last city, with no memory of who he is, or why everyone is abusing and attacking him. So this was the main focus for year 2, with Savathun growing stronger and stronger, with a murder battery creation in the looping cycle of the Dreaming City. So this has the potential to be a huge storyline and one we could potentially revisit in year 5. We also made a choice during year 2 of Destiny 2 to either side with the Vanguard or the Drifter. And this is potentially one of the most exciting storylines with the potential for Dark Guardians and reworks to our subclasses. So we've been discussing the idea of Dark Guardians for some time in the community and story hints about Guardians being tempted by the darkness has been written into the lore for some time. So Shin Malfour, he tempt Guardians with the mysteries and the powers of the darkness's bait to draw out those who are tempted and hunt them down. So I have built the perfect trap with which to cull the weak-willed, said Shin in a lore entry called The Revelations and Invitations. How they're going to do it, I'm not so sure, but adjusting the subclasses would be one way to extend the longevity of Destiny 2. So we haven't had a major rework since the inception of Destiny 2, with the last edition coming in Forsaken, however this was more of an addition rather than a major rework. The introduction of Dark Guardians and splitting the player base, again going back to another World of Warcraft reference with Horde vs the Alliance, that could be one way to go. 
It does feel, though, we're like a few story beats away from that at the moment. You know, I can see us fighting the darkness and potentially being provided with a choice, either at the end of the battle or perhaps shortly afterwards. One thing that was really nice during Forsaken was at the end of the Last Wish raid, the first team to actually beat the raid ended up shaping the whole world by unleashing that force. Perhaps during our final battle with the darkness, we either choose to destroy it or we choose to consume it. I can just see the look on Zavala's face as I think about that moment. So there's definitely lots of story material and lore that we've got to play with and if we're going to be going on until something like 2023 on next generation platforms then we're going to need that material. I think there's a high probability that Bungie will drop the 2 and simply rename it to Destiny or Destiny Infinite or something similar. And there's definitely potential in Bungie reworking the engine in the background, much like Fortnite did. So I believe in that instance they replaced a lot of the back end, relaunched it as the same game, and that allows them to build on new layers of features on an improved back end architecture. So it'll be interesting to see what Bungie say about next generation consoles this summer. And to be honest, we've got a few months of really, really exciting news. So we've got season 11, we've got the trailer coming for that really soon. We're gonna have the build up to the full DLC. And then we've got the potential improvements for next generation hardware, including hopefully 60 FPS and a wider field of view for consoles. But who knows, you know, that may not be the end of the improvements for next generation. We're just going to have to keep our eyes peeled on the announcements in the Microsoft streams and also, I'd imagine, Bungie live streams over the summer. So it's certainly an interesting time for Destiny 2 at the moment, and we should hear more in the days and weeks ahead from Bungie about the next steps for Destiny 2. Well, next up, let's have a look at the all-platform charts. So at 10 this week, it's Just Dance 2020. That's up two places from last week's number 12. Nine this week, it's Red Dead Redemption 2, down one place from last week's number eight. At eight this week, it's Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, up three places from last week's number 11. Seven this week, it's Luigi's Mansion 3. Six this week, it's Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. And at five this week, it's our old friend Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. At four this week, it's FIFA 20, down one place from last week's number three. At 3 this week, it's Call of Duty Modern Warfare, and that's up one place from last week's number 4. Number 2 this week, it's Grand Theft Auto 5. And still in there, at number 1, it's Animal Crossing New Horizons. So Animal Crossing doing really, really well. I think it's the best ever selling Switch game. So doing absolutely wonderful there. So congratulations to the team on Animal Crossing. Next up, let's have a look at what we've got coming out in the next few weeks. So it looks like we've got quite a lot of games coming out in the next few weeks. So 26th of May, we've got Hero Cantare with Webtoon, that's iOS and Android. We've got Minecraft Dungeons, that's coming out on PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. I think you can also pick that one up on Xbox Game Pass. Also on the 26th, we've got Mortal Kombat 11 Aftermath, that's PS4, Xbox One, Switch, Stadia and PC. We've got The Elder Scrolls Online Greymore, that's PC and Mac. Finally, on the 26th, we've got Wildfire, that's coming out on PC. On the 27th, we've got Fantasy Star Online 2, that's coming to PC, and we've got Recce, also coming out on PC. On the 28th, we've got Dungeon Defenders Awakened, that's coming out on PC, and we've got Fly Punch Boom, that's coming out on Switch and PC. We've got Shantae and the Seven Sirens, coming out on PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. Then on the 29th, we've got the Bioshock Collection coming to Nintendo Switch. We've got Borderlands Legendary Collection coming to Switch. And we've got XCOM 2 coming to Switch as well. So loads of stuff coming to Nintendo Switch. So also on the 29th, we've got Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. That's coming to Switch 2. So that rounds out May. And then in June, we've got on June the 2nd, we've got Little Town Hero. That's coming out on PS4. We've got Valorant. That finally gets a release on June the 2nd. We've got Awesome P2. That's coming out on PS4, Xbox One and Switch. That's on June the 3rd. We've got Pro Cycling Manager 2020. That's PS4, Xbox One and PC. Also on June the 4th, we've got Tour de France 2020. That's PS4 and Xbox One. Then on the 5th of June, we've got Clubhouse Games 51 Worldwide Classics. That's on Nintendo Switch. And we've got Endurance on iOS and Android. And finally, we've got The Outer Worlds finally coming to Nintendo Switch. So loads of stuff coming out there. Out of all those games there, I think Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition catches my eye. And Fantasy Star Online 2 for the PC also looks really, really good. I might pick up Minecraft Dungeons on Xbox Game Pass. And we'll see if I can bring you some impressions of that game on the next episode of the podcast. Well, that's it for what's coming up. And let's have a look at what I've been watching outside of gaming. 
So something I wanted to bring to everyone's attention is a new series called Normal People. So it's available on iPlayer in the UK and Hulu in the US. But have a look and see if you can get it wherever you are. This is the story of first love. It's two young people based in Ireland who get together in school and then go on to university together. And it's the story of first love that lays out bare the traps, the joy and the sadness. And I started watching this and just simply couldn't stop. I think I watched eight episodes in one night. Uh, it's not quite as bad as you think. The episodes are about half an hour or sometimes 25 minutes long. But it's one of those ones where I started watching and just really, really wanted to see the next episode. It's a truly wonderful series. And if you've got a chance to see it, then you really, really should. You know, the production value, the music, the desire to keep watching and find out what happens to the characters is just better than anything else I've seen on TV in 2020. High praise, but check out for yourself and let me know what you think. Well, that's it for this week's episode, and if you want to get involved in the show, contact me through patreon.com forward slash thisweekinvideogames or check out the latest on the website. Send in your questions, your comments, your video game stories, I'm always interested in hearing from you. I'm also available on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube and Instagram, so search This Week in Video Games on your favourite platform and join in that conversation. Well, thanks again for hanging out with me and chatting about video games. I hope you have a good week. I'll talk to you in a few days' time, but for now, I'll see you soon.